Matthew Henry's Commentary on the Whole Bible Numbers 15 This chapter, which is mostly concerning sacrifice and offering, comes in between the story of two rebellions, one chapter 14. The other chapter 16, to signify that these legal institutions were typical of the gifts which Christ was to receive even for the rebellious, Psalm 68 verse 18. In the foregoing chapter, upon Israel's provocation, God had determined to destroy them, and in token of his wrath had sentenced them to perish in the wilderness. But, upon Moses' intercession, he said, I have pardoned, and in token of that mercy, in this chapter he repeats and explains some of the laws concerning offerings, offerings, to show that he was reconciled to them, notwithstanding the severe dispensation they were under, and would not unchurch them. Here is, 1. The law concerning the meat offerings and drink offerings, verses 1 to 12, both for Israelites and for strangers, verses 13 to 16, and a law concerning the heave offerings of the first of their dough, verses 17 to 21. 2. The law concerning sacrifices for sins of ignorance, verses 22 to 29. 3. The punishment of presumptuous sins, verses 30 and 31 and an instance given in the Sabbath Breaker, verses 32-36. 4. A law concerning fringes, for memorandums, upon the borders of their garments, verse 37, etc. Laws concerning sacrifices, 1490 BC. 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, 2. Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, when ye be come into the land of your habitations, which I give unto you, 3. And will make an offering by fire unto the Lord, a burnt offering, or a sacrifice in performing a vow, or in a freewill offering, or in your solemn feasts, to make a sweet savour unto the Lord, of the herd, or of the flock. For then shall he that offereth his offering unto the Lord bring a meat offering of a tenth deal, of flour mingled with the fourth part of an hin of oil. Five and the fourth part of an hin of wine for a drink offering shalt thou prepare with the burnt offering or sacrifice for one lamb. Six or for a ram, Thou shalt prepare for a meat offering two tenth deals of flour mingled with the third part of an hin of oil. 7. And for a drink offering thou shalt offer the third part of an hin of wine, for a sweet savour unto the Lord. 8. And when thou preparest a bullock for a burnt offering, or for a sacrifice in performing a vow, or peace offerings unto the Lord, 9. Then shall he bring with a bullock a meat offering of three tenth deals of flour mingled with half an hin of oil. 10. And thou shalt bring for a drink offering half an hin of wine, for an offering made by fire, of a sweet savour unto the Lord. 11. Thus shall it be done for one bullock, or for one ram, or for a lamb, or a kid. 12. According to the number that ye shall prepare, so shall ye do to every one according to their number. 13. All that are born of the country shall do these things after this manner, in offering an offering made by fire, of a sweet savour unto the Lord. 14. And if a stranger sojourn with you, or whosoever be among you in your generations, and will offer an offering made by fire, of a sweet savour unto the Lord, as ye do, so he shall do. 15. One ordinance shall be both for you of the congregation, and also for the stranger that sojourneth with you, an ordinance forever in your generations, as ye are, so shall the stranger be before the Lord. 16. One law and one manner shall be for you, and for the stranger that sojourneth with you. 17 And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, 18 Speak unto the, to the children of Israel, and say unto them, When ye come into the land whither I bring you, 19 Then it shall be, that, when ye eat of the bread of the land, ye shall offer up an heave offering unto the Lord. 20 Ye shall offer up a cake of the first of your dough for an heave offering, 
as ye do the heave offering of the threshing floor, so shall ye heave it. Twenty-one of the first of your dough ye shall give unto the Lord and heave offering in your generations. Here we have. 1. Full instructions given concerning the meat offerings and drink offerings, which were appendages to all the sacrifices of animals. The beginning of this law is very encouraging, when you come into the land of your habitation which I give unto you, that you shall do so and so. Verse 2. This was a plain intimation, not only that God was reconciled to them notwithstanding the sentence he had passed upon them, but that he would secure the promised land to their seed notwithstanding their proneness to rebel against him. They might think some time or other they should be guilty of a misdemeanor that would be fatal to them, and would exclude them forever, as the last had done for one generation, but this intimates an assurance that they should be kept from provoking God to such a degree as would amount to a forfeiture, for this statute takes it for granted that there were some of them that should in due time come into Canaan. The meat offerings were of two sorts, some were offered alone, and we have the law concerning those, Leviticus 2 verse 1 etc. Others were added to the burnt offerings and peace offerings, and constantly attended them, and about these direction is here given. It was requisite, since the sacrifices of acknowledgement, specified in verse 3, were intended as the food of God's table, that there should be a constant provision of bread, oil, and wine, whatever the flesh meat was. The caterers or purveyors for Solomon's temple provided fine flour, 1 Kings 4 verse 22. And it was fit that God should keep a good house, that his table should be furnished with bread as well as flesh, and that his cup should run over. In my father's house there is bread enough. Now the intent of this law is to direct what proportion the meat offering and drink offering should bear to several sacrifices to which they were annexed. If the sacrifice was a lamb or a kid, then the meat offering must be a tenth deal of flour, that is, an omer, which contained about five pints, this must be mingled with oil, the fourth part of a hen, a hen contained about five quarts, and the drink offering must be the same quantity of wine, about a quart and half a pint, verses three to five. If it was a ram, the meat offering was doubled, two tenth deals of flour, about five quarts, and a third part of a hin of oil, which was to them as butter is to us, mingled with it, and the same, same quantity of wine for a drink offering, verses 6 and 7. If the sacrifice was a bullock, the meat offering was to be trebled, three omers, with five pints of oil, and the same quantity of wine for a drink offering, verses 8 to 10. And thus for each sacrifice, whether offered by a particular person, or at the common charge. Note, our religious services should be governed, as by other rules, so by the rule of proportion. 2. Natives and strangers are here set upon a level, and this is in other matters, verses 13 to 16 One law shall be for you, and for the stranger that is proselyte to the Jewish religion. Now, 1. This was an invitation to the Gentiles to become proselytes, and to embrace the faith and worship of the true God. In civil things there was a difference between strangers and true-born Israelites, but not in the things of God, as you are, so shall the stranger be before the Lord, for with him there is no respect of persons. See Isaiah 56 verse 3. 2. This was an obligation upon the Jews to be kind to strangers, and not to oppress them, because they saw them owned and accepted of God. Communion in religion is a great engagement to mutual affection, and should slay all enmities. 3. It was a mortification to the pride of the Jews, who are apt to be puffed up with their birthright privileges. We are Abraham's seed. God let them know that the sons of the stranger were as welcome to him as the sons of Jacob, 
No man's birth or parentage shall turn either to his advantage or his prejudice in his acceptance with God. This likewise intimated that, as believing strangers should be accounted Israelites, so unbelieving Israelites should be accounted strangers. 4. It was a happy presage of the calling of the Gentiles and of their admission into the church. If the law made so little difference between Jew and Gentile, much less would the gospel make, which broke down the partition wall and reconciled both to God in one sacrifice, without the observance of the legal ceremonies. 3. A law for the offering of the first of their dough unto the Lord. This, as the former, goes upon the comfortable supposition of their having come into the promised land, verse 18. Now that they lived upon manna they needed not such an express acknowledgement of God's title to their daily bread, and their dependence upon him for it, the thing spoke for itself, but in Canaan, where they should eat the fruit of their own industry, God required that he should be owned as their landlord and their great benefactor. They must not only offer him the firstfruits and tenths of the corn in their fields, these had already been reserved, but when they had it in their houses, in their kneading trough, when it was almost ready to be set upon their tables, God must have a further tribute of acknowledgement, part of their dough, the Jews say a fortieth part, at least, of the whole lump, must be heaved or offered up to God, verses 20 and 21, and the priest must have it for the use of his family. Thus they must own their dependence upon God for their daily bread, even when they had it in the house with them, they must then wait on God for the comfortable use of it, for we read of that which was brought home, and yet God did blow upon it, and it came to little, Haggai 1 verse 9. Christ has taught us to pray not, give us this year our yearly harvest, but give us this day our daily bread. God by this law said to the people, as the prophet long afterwards said to the widow of Sarepta, 1 Kings 17 verse 13, only make me thereof a little cake first. This offering was expressly kept up by the laws of Ezekiel's visionary temple, and it is a commandment, commandment with promise of family mercies, Ezekiel 44 verse 30 You shall give unto the priest the first of your dough, that he may cause the blessing to rest in thy house, for, when God has had his dues out of our estates, we may expect the comfort of what falls to our share. Sacrifices for Sins of Ignorance, 1490 B.C. 22 And if ye have erred, and not observed all these commandments, which the Lord hath spoken unto Moses, 23, even all that the Lord hath commanded you by the hand of Moses, from the day that the Lord commanded Moses, and henceforward among your generations, 24, then it shall be, if aught be committed by ignorance without the knowledge of the congregation, that all the congregation shall offer one young bullock for a burnt offering, for a sweet savour unto the Lord, with his meat offering, and his drink offering, according to the manner, and one kid of the goats for a sin offering. 25 And the priest shall make an atonement for all the congregation of the children of Israel, and it shall be forgiven them, for it is ignorance, and they shall bring their offering, a sacrifice made by fire unto the Lord, and their sin offering before the Lord, for their ignorance. 26 And it shall be forgiven all the congregation of the children of Israel, and the stranger that sojourneth among them, seeing all the people were in ignorance. 27 And if any soul sin through ignorance, then he shall bring a she-goat of the first year for a sin offering. 28 And the priest shall make an atonement for the soul that sinneth ignorantly, when he sinneth by ignorance before the Lord, to make an atonement for him, and it shall be forgiven him. 29 Ye shall have one law for him that sinneth through ignorance, both for him that is born among the children of Israel, and for the stranger that sojourneth among them. We have here the laws concerning sacrifices for sins of ignorance, the Jews understand it of idolatry, or false worship, through the error of their teachers.
The case here supposed is that they had not observed all these commandments, verses 22 and 23. If they had failed in the offerings of their acknowledgement, and had not brought them according to the law, then they must bring an offering of atonement, yeah, though the omission had been through forgetfulness or mistake. If they failed in one part of the ceremony, they must make it up by the observance of another part, which was in the nature of a remedial law. 1. The case is put of a national sin, committed through ignorance, and become customary through a vulgar error, verse 24, the congregation, that is, the body of the people, for so it is explained, verse 25 all the congregation of the children of Israel. The ceremonial observances were so numerous, and so various, that, it might easily be supposed, some of them by degrees would be forgotten and disused, as particularly that immediately before concerning the heave offering of their dough, now if, in process of time, upon consulting the law, there should appear to have been a general neglect of that or any other appointment, then a sacrifice must be offered for the whole congregation, and the oversight shall be forgiven, verses 25 and 26, and not punished, as it deserved, with some national judgment. The offering of the sacrifice according to the manner, or ordinance, plainly refers to a former statute, of which this is the repetition, and the same bullock which is there called a sin offering, Leviticus 4 verses 13 and 21, is here called a burnt offering, verse 24, because it was wholly burnt, though not upon the altar, yet without the camp. And here is the addition of a kid of the goats for a sin offering. According to this law, we find that Hezekiah made atonement for the errors of his father's reign, by seven bullocks, seven rams, seven lambs, and seven he-goats, which he offered as a sin offering for the kingdom, and for the sanctuary, and for Judah, 2 Chronicles 29 verse 21, and for all Israel, verse 24. And we find the like done after the return out of captivity, Ezra 8 verse 35. 2. It is likewise supposed to be the case of a particular person, if any soul sin through ignorance, verse 27, neglecting any part of his duty, he must bring his offering, as was appointed, Leviticus 4 verse 27, etc. Thus atonement shall be made for the soul that sins, when he sins through ignorance, verse 28. Observe, 1. Sins committed ignorantly need to have atonement made for them, for, though ignorance will in a degree excuse, it will not justify those that might have known their Lord's will, and did it not. David prayed to be cleansed from his secret faults, that is, those sins which he himself was not aware of, the errors he did not understand, Psalm 19 verse 12. 2. Sins committed ignorantly shall be forgiven, through Christ the great sacrifice who, when he offered up himself once for all upon the cross, seemed to explain the intention of his offering in that prayer, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And Paul seems to allude to this law concerning sins of ignorance, 1 Timothy 1 verse 13, I obtained mercy, because I did it ignorantly and in unbelief. And it looked favorable upon the Gentiles that this law of atoning for sins of ignorance is expressly made to extend to those who were strangers to the commonwealth of Israel, verse 29, but supposed to be proselytes of righteousness. Thus the blessing of Abraham comes upon the Gentiles. Doom of presumptuous sinners, 1490 BC. 30 But the soul that doeth up presumptuously, whether he be born in the land, or a stranger, the same reproacheth the Lord, and that soul shall be cut off from among his people. 31 Because he hath despised the word of the Lord, and hath broken his commandment, that soul shall utterly be cut off, his iniquity shall be upon him. 32 And while the children of Israel were in the wilderness, they found a man that gathered sticks upon the Sabbath day.
33 And they that found him gathering sticks brought him unto Moses and Aaron, and unto all the congregation. 34 And they put him in ward, because it was not declared what should be done to him. 35 And the Lord said unto Moses, The man shall be surely put to death, all the congregation shall stone him with stones without the camp. 36 And all the congregation brought him without the camp, and stoned him with stones, and he died, as the Lord commanded Moses. Here is, 1. The general doom passed upon presumptuous sinners. 1. Those are to be reckoned presumptuous sinners that sin with a high hand, as the original phrase is, verse 30, that is, that avowedly confront God's authority and set up their own lust in competition with it, that sin for sinning sake, in contradiction to the precept of the law and in defiance of the penalty, that fight against God and dare Him to do His worst, see Job 15 verse 25. It is not only to sin against knowledge, but to sin designedly against God's will and glory. 2. Sins thus committed are exceedingly sinful. He that thus breaks the commandment, 1. Reproaches the Lord, verse 30, he says the worst he can of him, and most unjustly. The language of presumptuous sin is, eternal truth, is not fit to be believed, the Lord of all not fit to be obeyed, and almighty power not fit to be either feared or trusted. It imputes folly to infinite wisdom and iniquity to the righteous judge of heaven and earth, such as the malignity of willful sin. 2. He despises the word of the Lord, verse 31. There are those who, in many instances, come short of fulfilling the word, and yet have a great value for it, and count the law honorable, but presumptuous sinners despise it, thinking themselves too great, too good, and too wise to be ruled by it. What is the Almighty that we should serve Him? Whatever the sin itself is, it is contumacy that incurs the anathema. It is rebellion added to the sin that is as witchcraft, and stubbornness as idolatry. 3. The sentence passed on such is dreadful. There remains no sacrifice for those sins, the law provided none, that soul shall be cut off from among his people, verse 30, utterly cut off, verse 31, and that God may be forever justified, and the sinner forever confounded, his iniquity shall be upon him, and there needs no more to sink him to the lowest hell. Thus the Jewish doctors understand it, that the iniquity shall cleave to the soul, after it is cut off, and that man shall give an account of his sin at the great day of judgment. Perhaps the kind of offense might be, be such as did not expose the offender to the censure of the civil magistrate, but, if it was done presumptuously, God himself would take the punishment of it into his own hands, and into them it is a fearful thing to fall. In the New Testament we find the like sentence of exclusion from all benefit by the great sacrifice passed upon the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost, and a total apostasy from Christianity. 2. A particular instance of presumption in the sin of Sabbath-breaking. 1. The offense was the gathering of sticks on the Sabbath day, verse 32, which, it is probable, were designed to make a fire of, whereas they were commanded to bake and seethe what they had occasion for the day before, Exodus 16 verse 23. This seemed but a small offense, but it was a violation of the law of the Sabbath, and so was a tacit contempt of the Creator, to whose honor the Sabbath was dedicated, and an incursion upon the whole law, which the Sabbath was intended as a hedge about. And it appears by the context to have been done presumptuously, and in affront both of the law and to the lawmaker. 2. The offender was secured, verse 33 and 34. Those that found him gathering sticks, in their zeal for the honor of the Sabbath, brought him to Moses and Aaron, 
and all the congregation, which intimates that being the Sabbath day the congregation was at that time gathered to Moses and Aaron, to receive instruction from them, and to join with them in religious worship. It seems, even common Israelites, though there was much amiss among them, yet would not contentedly see the Sabbath profaned, which was a good sign that they had not quite forsaken God, nor were utterly forsaken of Him. 3. God was consulted, because it was not declared what should be done to Him. The law had already made the profanation of the Sabbath a capital crime, Exodus 31 verse 14, chapter 35 verse 2, but they were in doubt, either concerning the offense, whether this that he had done should be deemed a profanation or no, or concerning the punishment, which death he should die. God was the judge, and before him they brought this cause. 4. Sentence was passed, the prisoner was adjudged a Sabbath breaker, according to the intent of that law, and as such he must be put to death, and to show how great the crime was, and how displeasing to God, and that others might hear and fear and not do in like manner presumptuously, that death is appointed him which was looked upon as most terrible, he must be stoned with stones, verse 35. Note, God is jealous for the honor of his Sabbaths, and will not hold those guiltless, whatever men do, that profane them. 5. Execution was done pursuant to the sentence, verse 36. He was stoned to death by the congregation. As many as could were employed in the execution, that those, at least, might be afraid of breaking the Sabbath, who had thrown a stone at this Sabbath-breaker. This intimates that the open profanation of the Sabbath is a sin which ought to be punished and restrained by the civil magistrate, who, as far as overt acts go, is keeper of both tables. See Nehemiah 13 verse 17. One would think there could be no great harm in gathering a few sticks, on what day soever it was, but God intended the exemplary punishment of him that did so for a standing warning to us all, to make conscience of keeping holy the Sabbath. The Law Concerning Fringes, 1490 B.C. 37 And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, 38 Speak unto the children of Israel, and bid them that they make them fringes in the borders of their garments throughout their generations, and that they put upon the fringe of the borders a rib band of blue, 39 And it shall be unto you for a fringe, that ye may look upon it, and remember all the commandments of the Lord, and do them, and that ye seek not after your own heart and your own eyes, after which ye used to go a-whoring, 40 That ye may remember, and do all my commandments, and be holy unto your God. 41 I am the Lord your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt, to be your God, I am the Lord your God. Provision had been just now made by the law for the pardon of sins of ignorance and infirmity, now here is an expedient provided for the preventing of such sins. They are ordered to make fringes upon the borders of their garments, which were to be memorandums to them of their duty, that they might not sin through forgetfulness. 1. The sign appointed is a fringe of silk, or thread, or worsted, or the garment itself revelled at the bottom, and a blue ribbon bound on the top of it to keep it tight, verse 38. The Jews being a peculiar people, they were thus distinguished from their neighbors in their dress, as well as in their diet, and taught by such little instances of singularity not to be conformed to the way of the heathen in greater things. Thus likewise they proclaimed themselves Jews wherever they were, as those that were not ashamed of God in His law. Our Saviour, being made under the law, wore these fringes, hence we read of the hem or border of His garment, Matthew 9 verse 20. These borders the Pharisees enlarged, that they might be thought more holy and devout than other people. The phylacteries were different things, these were their own invention, the fringes were a divine institution. 
The Jews at this day wear them, saying, When they put them on, Blessed be he who has sanctified us unto himself, and commanded us to wear fringes. 2. The intention of it was to remind them that they were a peculiar people. They were not appointed for the trimming and adorning of their clothes, but to stir up their pure minds by way of remembrance, 2 Peter 3 verse 1, that they might look upon the fringe and remember the commandments. Many look upon their ornaments to feed their pride, but they must look upon these ornaments to awaken their consciences to a sense of their duty, that their religion might constantly beset them, and that they might carry it about with them, as they did their clothes, wherever they went. If they were tempted to sin, the fringe would be a monitor to them not to break God's commandments, if a duty was forgotten to be done in its season, the fringe would remind them of it. This institution, though it is not an imposition upon us, is an instruction to us, always to remember the commandments of the Lord our God, that we may do them, them, to treasure them up in our memories, and to apply them to particular cases as there is occasion to use them. It was intended particularly to be a preservative from idolatry, that you seek not after your own heart, and your own eyes, in your religious worship. Yet it may extend also to the whole conversation, for nothing is more contrary to God's honor, and our own true interest, than to walk in the way of our heart and in the sight of our eyes, for the imagination of the heart is evil, and so is the lust of the eyes. After the repetition of some ceremonial appointments, the chapter closes with that great and fundamental law of religion, be holy unto your God, purged from sin, and sincerely devoted to his service, and that great reason for all the commandments is again and again inculcated, I am the Lord your God. Did we more firmly believe and more frequently and seriously consider, that God is the Lord, and our God and Redeemer, we should see ourselves bound in duty, interest, and gratitude, to keep all his commandments.